Amen, amen. You may have a seat. Good morning. Welcome, everyone, to the Vineyard. My name is Christian Erd. I'm the associate pastor here. It is such a blessing to be with you all this morning. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. You, you know, I, I grew up in the 90s. I'm a child of the 90s, and so my earliest traumatic memories involve the Wolverines ripping our, our, our hearts up and, and, you know, names like Tim Biakapatuka are still a curse word in my in my home. And, and so, you know, I, I'm just so thankful that my son doesn't have to grow up in a world in which these kind of atrocities happen. And so just thank, thankful for that this Thanksgiving. And, you know, on that note, I, I better pray before I say anything else potentially blasphemous. So why don't, why don't we pray together, church? Let's pray. Come, Lord. And God, we, we, we do come, and, and I, I recognize that, that all of us are coming in, in from different places, God. Some of us have had good years. Some of us have had incredibly painful, hard, challenging years. And yet I, I pray that even now, God, you would bring to mind things that, that we can be thankful for, God. That through the ups and downs, through the valleys of our life, God, you are a God who proves over and over again that you are faithful, that you are kind, and that even in, in hardship, you are merciful. Would you give encouragement to those who need it today, God? And would you help me, Father, to, to preach your word that, that honors today's text, that honors you, and that points people to you? In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we're, we're currently in the middle of a series that we've called Search and, and Rescue. And over the course of this series, we've been looking at the story of Zacchaeus from Luke chapter 19. Now, in Luke chapter 19, Jesus uttered this famous phrase in verse 10. He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. You should know this one by now. And when Jesus shared these words, he was tipping his hand regarding the central purpose of his mission on earth, that he came to seek and to save the lost. He came to draw men and women to himself, to help people to understand that he came to the world to substitute himself on the cross on their, by, on their behalf, that they might be redeemed, that they might be reconciled to the Father, that they might receive forgiveness. <clears throat> And as the church, as the, the body of Christ, we've been tasked, of course, with, with continuing this mission. We've been tasked with, with sharing our, our faith with others, with sharing the gospel with others, that they too might be reconciled and redeemed and <clears throat> come to know Jesus as their Savior. And so over the course of this series, we've been stressing the importance of, of sharing our faith with others, right? Our, our need as believers to to share our faith. And today as we conclude this series, we're going to be talking about the need to call people not only to faith, but to call people to, to repentance, to change as well. When inviting someone to come to know Jesus, we're inviting them certainly to come to know Jesus as Savior. Again, the one who, who redeems them, who reconciles them to the Father, who, who brings forgiveness but we're also calling people to, to invite Jesus to be Lord of their life as well. To, to recognize that all of our allegiance ultimately is owed to Jesus. To, to lay down our lives before him and say, Jesus, you, you can have my life. I, I want you to be my Savior, yes, but I want you to be my Lord as well. 
And we see this embrace of Jesus as both Savior and Lord in the story of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. So let's head there now. This is what we read, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And so, here we go. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he is gone to be the guest of a sinner. And here's where we're going to be focusing today, these next three verses. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this too, this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now there are two principles that I want us to focus on today as we reflect on, on this need to call others into repentance, to, to change when we share the gospel with others. And so here's, here's my first point. Repentance, number one, is necessary for salvation. Repentance is necessary for salvation. You'll notice when you read this passage that it wasn't until after Zacchaeus demonstrated a a real change in his life by repaying old wrongs that that Jesus declared that salvation had come to Zacchaeus' house. Did Did you notice that? That it was after Zacchaeus said, here and now I'm giving half of my possessions away to the poor. I'm going to repay old wrongs. So Jesus says, okay, this this man is a believer. And, and, and of course, we, we know that Jesus didn't affirm Zacchaeus' salvation because Zacchaeus had somehow earned it through his good works. We, we stress this every week, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, that it's nothing that we offer, nothing that we provide that, that brings us salvation. Zacchaeus' repentance was, however, the evidence that he had trusted Jesus with his life and that he had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And so when sharing our faith with, with others, we, we need to be honest with others that there is no salvation apart from real life change. There, there is no salvation apart from repentance. The, the word repent, it's one of those religious words that you hear a lot in a setting like this, but it, it comes from the Greek word metanoia, which means to change our minds. Some of you are familiar with this. It means to change our, our mind. To repent, therefore, means not only asking forgiveness, which is certainly it's part of it, of course. Of course we're asking for forgiveness. But it, it actually means to begin to walk in a different direction, to say I was, I was going down this road, I was heading down this path, I was making this series of decisions, and now I'm turning around and I'm changing my mind. I'm walking in an opposite direction. That's what it means to repent. And so listen, repentance and regret are not the same thing. Not the same thing. You can regret that you blew up your marriage. You can regret that you wasted your money away. You can regret that you lied to a close friend and were, were caught, were found out. And, and because your life is, is probably much harder as a result, you, you can regret those decisions. Plenty of people walk around with regret. It's hard to to live many years without piling up your list of regrets. But that's not, that's not repentance. Repentance is, is coming before a holy God. It's acknowledging your sin, and it's owning it. 
Acknowledging the effects that your, your sin has had on other people. God, this is what I've done. This is what it's caused. And then it's asking for God to help you to turn and walk down another direction. To, to change your mind and to say, you know what, I, I just, I don't want to engage in that behavior. I don't want to engage in those practices anymore. The parable of the, the prodigal son, as many of you know, it's a story that Jesus told a group of people in Luke, actually, just a, a few chapters before Luke 19. And it's a story about a young man who, who goes to his father and he asks for his family inheritance. He says, I, I want my inheritance now. This is the inheritance that, that he should have received upon the death of his father. But, but this young man in this parable, he says, no, I, I want it now. And so this young man takes his father's inheritance and he, he runs away to a far off place and he, he squanders, he wastes his wealth on, on partying and, and women. And halfway through this, this short parable that Jesus told is, is one of, in, in my mind, the, the most beautiful strings of verses in, in all of Scripture. So the son has run away. He's in a far-off land. He's wasted all of his money. He's in a pretty rough spot. And, and this is what we read in Luke chapter 15, verses 17 through 20. I, I love this string of verses. Here's what it says. When he, that is, when this young man came to his senses... He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And I, I love this string of verses, guys, because this, this is such a, a beautiful picture of, of what it looks like to repent is that he came to his senses. And, and that's the first part of repentance. It's the Holy Spirit coming to us and giving us a better understanding of our life so that we wake up and say, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? We come to our senses. But, but that's not the only part, of course. We, we then begin the, the long journey of heading back to the Father, of saying, I'm not going to continue to walk in this direction anymore. I'm not going to continue to make these same decisions. I'm going to turn around and I'm going to make different choices. I'm going to head in the opposite direction. To repent is, is to look around, guys. It's to say, look, I, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to keep making these same decisions. I don't want to keep doctoring my hours at work, you know, fudging the, the numbers so that I, I get just a little bit more hours in the work week. You know, I don't want to keep treating my spouse this way. I don't want to keep keep lashing out in anger. I'm going I'm to finally seek some help. I'm going to talk to a counselor. I'm going to find some resources. I'm going to find some accountability here. I, I don't want to maintain this flirtatious relationship with this coworker, right? Started off innocent enough, but I, I just know it's, it's not a, a very good thing in my life right now. And I, I just know that if I continue down this path, I, I, I'm going to potentially end up in a pretty dark spot here. I'm not going to maintain this relationship. I'm repenting. I'm choosing to walk in the opposite direction. You know, listen, guys. The, the reason that so many men and women, both inside and outside the church, feel disconnected and distant from God is because, is because so often we, we want a relationship with God without the cost. 
We want to follow God without repentance. It's not because God doesn't desire a warm and vibrant and intimate relationship with us. That's, that's what he desires. That, that are his plans for us. Those are his plans. But we often want to follow God without the cost. We want to follow God without repentance. And so we continue pursuing our own way. Continue pursuing our own direction, saying, this is the direction I'm going. This is where I'm headed. These are, these are the choices that I want to make. And we invite Jesus, essentially, to kind of come along with us. You know, hop in the back seat. Hop in the trunk, Jesus. This is where I'm going. These are my life goals. This is my drive. This is, this is where I'm headed. And Jesus, if you want to come along with me, you, you can come along too. But a, a life of repentance, guys, is saying, no, no, no. I, I need to get out of the driver's seat of my car. I need to get out of the driver's seat. I need to hand the G's, keys to Jesus, and I need to say to him, look, you, you can now direct my life. I, I'm allowing you now to chart the course of my life. You now get to dictate, Jesus, my sex life. You get to dictate how I spend my money. You get to dictate how I spend my hours and my weeks and how I, I plan my calendar, how I plot my time. Jesus, you are in control. And this isn't a one-time decision. This isn't something that we merely do once and say, okay, now, now Jesus is in control. No, no, we, we, we do this daily, don't we? That daily I wake up and I have to say when my alarm is hitting and my kid is crying and all I want to do is, is check out and lash out whatever. Daily I have to say, Jesus, you can have the keys. You can direct my life. This is repentance. So it's imperative, guys, that we stress the importance of repentance when, when talking to others about Jesus. It's imperative that we, we, we actually... We share this with others. Now, now, we do this with wisdom, of course, right? We, we never want to be overbearing. We never want to be heavy-handed when we're, we're telling others to repent. All of us here have seen or, or know of, of caricatures of the church in which someone is just is piled on the doom and gloom, right? That, that's not what we're about here. It's not what Jesus calls us to. He says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. So we're not painting a picture of doom and gloom here, guys, but we don't want to sugarcoat we, we don't want to sugarcoat either what, what, what following Jesus actually looks like. We, we don't want to sugarcoat the cost that Jesus asks us to give him everything. Not just to be our Savior, but to be our Lord. There is simply no biblical example, guys, of any man, any woman, any child who ever came to Jesus in the New Testament and came and experienced salvation without real life change. There's just no examples of it happening. Lastly, and, and I'll be brief, here's my second point. We need to understand that repentance, it needs to be modeled. Needs to be modeled. Listen, if we want to be people who effectively share the gospel with others, effectively communicate the necessity of repentance. We need to be people who model this act of repentance ourselves, don't we? No one wants what we have if we're not modeling it out, if we're not living it out, right? You want to call someone to life change and they don't see it present in your, whole, in your own life. It's going to be a pretty empty, empty offer. We want to share our faith well. People need to see the life change in us that is, has resulted as a is a byproduct of, of the thousands of journeys that we've made back towards 
Jesus in repentance over the course of our life. I mean, I mean, do you see this pattern in your life? Do you see this pattern of, of, of daily walking your own way and, and choosing your own steps and then saying, okay, I, I repent and I'm turning around and heading back to the Father. Do you, do you see this pattern in your life? In, in August of this year, there was a, a Canadian man who boarded a flight uh, in Canada for another city another Canadian city that was three hours away. And so he's anticipating this quick three-hour jaunt to another Canadian city. He probably got out a book and thought, okay, I'll be home by dinner. But as he, as he was in the air, as the plane took off, he, he quickly realized that he, he was on the wrong flight and, and that he was not headed for a city just three hours away. He was headed for a city 1,400 miles away, a 14-hour plane ride to the Arctic. I, I, yeah. Apparently the, the computers were down and he made his way out to the tarmac and saw a bunch of people and thought, okay, there's my, there's my plane, hopped on board, took off and realized I am headed on a 14-hour journey to the Arctic Circle. And, and once this man arrived at the Arctic, he, he had a choice, didn't he? Could settle down and just I guess try to make the best of it, right? Learn how to ice fish and learn how to catch seals. I don't know. Seals at the Arctic? I don't know. But could have made the best of it. Could have just said, well, this is where I'm at, so I'm just putting down roots, and, you know, we'll see what happens. Or his other choice, of course, was to turn around, head back in the opposite direction. You know, some of us here, if we're honest, we have been traveling for 1,400 miles in the wrong direction. You've allowed a pattern of sin in your life, maybe just in one area of your life. Maybe you've been, you're pretty clean in most areas of your life, but you've found a way to compartmentalize this one section of your life, this one area of your life your finances or your sex life or whatever that might look like for you, and you've just allowed this pattern of sin, this habitual sin, to just push you 1,400 miles in, in the wrong direction. And, and you might say, you know, this morning, I, I just, I don't know how I got here. Like, like this man who gets out of his airplane, you might just be saying to yourself, I, I, don't, I don't know how I got here this morning. And like the man who ended up in the Arctic, you have, a, you have a choice, of course, don't you? You can continue to live thousands of miles away from your desired destination. You can continue to live thousands of miles away from the calling that God has for you, the plans that he has for you, the designs he has for your life, the ways that God wants to use you and bless you. You can continue to live thousands of miles away from, from the design that God has for your life. Or, like this Canadian gentleman, you can begin the long trek back home. You can turn around and say, look, I'm headed in the opposite direction. I'm changing my mind. I don't want to live this life anymore. I don't want to make these choices anymore. Now, I'm not suggesting that all followers of Jesus are going to be free from all sin, that we're going to be free from all brokenness, that we're going to be free from all baggage. Because look, that's not happening this, this side of eternity, right? You know, spoiler alert, you are never going to be perfect until you get to eternity. And so it, if you live with that mindset, you're just going to be 
terrorized by, by this perpetual sense of your imperfection. And so listen, I'm, I'm not saying, look, if, if, you're, if you're here and you don't have everything all buttoned up, then you're not a Christian. That's not what I'm suggesting. And so a, a helpful metaphor for us at this point, I believe, as we, as we think about repentance, is a, a metaphor that's used throughout the New Testament, and it's the metaphor of taking off our old self and, and clothing ourselves with our new self. This is a, a metaphor that, that Paul uses throughout the New Testament. And so, for example, this is what we read in Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. This is what it says. <clears throat> Therefore, Paul says to the church in Colossae, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And, and just to be honest, guys, I find this metaphor of of clothing ourselves with our new self and its practices to be extremely helpful as we think about repentance because I, I have a three-year-old son. And, and my three-year-old son is at the age where he, he desires to dress himself, really wants to be independent, wants to dress himself. And if you haven't been a, a three-year-old in a while, you might forget learning how to get dressed is hard. It's really hard. I, I mean, typically he'll, he'll come down to start the day and he's got like two pairs of shorts on for some reason because that felt like it was the right thing to do in his mind. And, and then he's got a T-shirt on top of his head because he's been trying to pull it over his head and he just hasn't been able to get it through. And then in, inevitably I'll find him and he's got both legs, you know, in one pant leg and he's like trying to pull up his sweatpants, but he can't because he, he's, he's trying to put both legs in the same pant leg and, and he's just a mess and... I love this picture because I, I think it's such an accurate picture of the Christian life, isn't it? You know, this is what it feels like to put on our new self. It can be awkward, and it can be a struggle, and it can be so unnatural. It can be so unnatural, and so we can find ourselves saying, look, God, I, I, I'm trying to clothe myself in compassion, but I, I just, it's difficult. And so the right question for you if, you, if you would say this morning, I am a follower of Jesus, the right question today isn't, hey, is your life perfect? Are you free from all sin? The right question today, guys, is are you still participating in the struggle to put on your new life, to put on your new self? Is there repentance present in your life? Are, are you saying this morning, look, Jesus, I'm not there. I'm not where I want to be, but I, I'm still fighting, still fighting. I'm still trying to clothe myself with humility, even though it's hard. Still trying to clothe myself with generosity, even though I have this habit of just hoarding what I have for myself. Still trying to, to put on purity, God, even though, you know, God, you know my backstory. You, you know the backlog of just impure thoughts and behaviors I have in my life. You know how hard this is for me to try to clothe myself in purity, but I'm trying, God. I'm actively involved in this fight. It's like a, a three-year-old learning how to dress himself. I'm, I'm trying to get this over my head, trying to clothe myself with love, trying to clothe myself with integrity. Are, are you participating in the fight, or have you just learned how to settle? You know, the, the, the unrepentant life is, is just a life in which we've just learned how 
to settle, if you just learned how to justify your sin or rationalize it or accept that this particular sin is just kind of always going to accompany you, right? Like your little pet that you got on a leash. It's just always going to be there with you. This sin, this, this issue in my life, it's not going away. Is there an area in your life, look, I want you to hear me on this. Is there an area in your life that your spouse keeps bringing up, that your roommate keeps bringing up, that the Holy Spirit keeps bringing up, bringing to your attention, that you just refuse to do anything about? Just refuse to, to touch it, you know? Just keep shoving it down. I don't want to go there. I don't want to handle that. I want to, don't want to address this issue. We're called to be people who fight, who struggle, who repent. God's not asking you to be perfect, but he's asking for you to engage in the fight, to, to try to struggle, to clothe yourself with this new person that you're called to be in Christ. Listen, friend, the, the reality is, is none of us can go back in the past, right? None of us can go and unchange the, the decisions that we've made. But right now, this morning, you, you can choose. You can choose to start walking a different way. You can choose to say that even though I have, I have taken 100,000 steps in this direction, 100,000 steps down, down this path, I'm choosing right now to turn around and to begin the long walk back to the Father. That's an option available for you today. I want to head back to the Father. We want to be people, guys, who, who share the gospel with integrity. And, and that's what this series has been about that we're concluding today. We want to be people who share the gospel with integrity. We need to be people who understand the necessity of repentance. We're not heavy-handed. We're not overbearing. But, but we're honest. We ask people to count the cost, that we're honest of, of what Jesus asks of us, asks for our whole life for our whole life. And secondly, we need to model this repentance ourselves. No one wants what we have if we're not living it out, right? No one wants to hear what we have to offer if we're not living it out. Here's, here's what I want to do now. I'm going to invite the, the band to begin making their way back up. I, I decided to to go uncharacteristically short today because uh, I wanted to create some space here on the back end for some of us to make a, a decision, for some of us to, to respond. <clears throat> and I, I want some of us to have the opportunity to, to stand today in your seat and, and, and simply say, I, I want to begin a life of following Jesus. And we do this here from time to time asking people from, to stand, or I'll, I'll do this from time to time, because I, I believe that it's really helpful to, to draw a line in the sand and, and to have a day that you can look back and remember. This is when I said, you know what, Jesus, I, I want you to be both my Savior and my Lord. And so in just a second, I'm going to give a, a chance for some of us to respond, for some of us to say, you know what, I, I think I think this is my time that I need to say yes to Jesus. And 
And there's a second group that I'm going to ask to stand as well. And, and that, that would be any of you who would say, you know what, I've been around the church for a while. Like, this isn't new to me. It's, you know, Christianity, it's not a new thing to me. But if I'm honest, I'm not really living a life in which you could look at and say, Jesus is making a real difference in my life. That as I look at my life, and particularly as I look at my hidden life, the life that that I don't present on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, as I look at my hidden life, I, I don't see a lot of change there. I don't know if there's necessarily evidence that the Holy Spirit is working within me and changing me and helping me to clothe myself with my new self in Christ. And so, you know what? I, I need to stand today. I, I want to say to Jesus today, you know what? I, I don't want you to just be some savior to me that I acknowledged at one point at some summer camp don't give much thought to now I I want you to be my savior and my lord I want to lay down my life before you did some of us need to do that today what what struck me uh, about today's passage was that you know we're not exactly sure when Zacchaeus made this uh, statement that he was going to, to give half of his money to the poor, probably later on after Jesus had, had visited his house. But I, I love what Zacchaeus says. He said, here and now I give half of my money to the poor. That he understood in that moment there was an opportunity for him to take a stand. There was an opportunity for him to embrace Jesus as his Savior and Lord. And, and I, I believe that some of us have that opportunity today to say, here and now, I, I want to say yes to Jesus. And so if, if that's something that you want to do today, I'm not going to invite you up. I'm not going to embarrass you or put a microphone in front of your face. I just, I want to give you the chance to say, Jesus, I, I want you to be my Savior. I, I want to live a life of repentance. And so if that's you, would you, would you just stand now? Is there anyone here today who would say, you know, I want to make this decision. I understand it can be a little bit awkward to stand. I I remember doing this myself as a 20-year-old. Is there anyone here today who would say, you know, it's time. I don't have it all figured out, but I need to begin the journey back to the Father. Anyone here who would say, I, I, I want to respond. I'm not going to draw this out. I'm not going to hopefully make this more awkward than it already is. But is there anyone who would say, you know what, I, I just, I want to do this today. Feel the Holy Spirit saying, it's time for me to stand. Here and now, I want to begin to follow Jesus. All right, well, why don't we all stand together? Well, here, here's, here's how I would love to, to close this out, guys. There's two groups that I would love to receive prayer today. And the, the first group are, are those of you who would say, you know what, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I... I feel like God put his finger on something in my life that needs to change. 
that God just put his finger on an area of my life that, and said, you know, that this needs to change. And so if that's where you're at today, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to, to head to either side of, of the stage. We're going to have a prayer team there, and we would love to pray for you. You know, again, this is one of those calls that I would just imagine all of us would respond to because I don't think there's any one of us here that are like, you know, figured it out, you know. Summer 97, figured out how to follow Jesus perfectly. It's just been a breeze since then. I don't, I don't think that's any of us, right? But if you're someone who would say, you know, I feel like God put his finger on something today. I want to turn around. I want to walk in the opposite direction. We want to pray for you. And then secondly, there are some of us here that, that would say, you know, there's a, there's a particular behavior, there's a particular pattern in my life that I feel like I have repented of a thousand times. That I've just walked down this road of repentance a thousand times. A thousand different times. I've said, God, I, I, I want to resist. I want to repent. I don't want to practice this anymore. And so we've returned to the Father only to engage in the behavior later. Some of you, you're just caught in that fight of trying to clothe yourself with your new self. And and if that's where you're at, we want to pray for you, that God would give you a new sense of hope in that, that God would give you a new sense of resolve and strength and determination to say, I'm just going to continue. I don't care if I have to to walk this road of repentance 3,000 times. I want to pursue healing. I I, want to continue to fight. I I don't want to just accept that this is going to be a part of my life for the rest of my days. And so if that's that's where you're at today, and and you would simply be saying, look, I'm just tired of walking this road of repentance over the same thing over and over. I'm so tired of apologizing for the same thing. We want to pray for you. God would bring freedom. That God would bring a new level of grace that God would bring you the courage, the energy you need to continue to tackle that sin. So why don't we have our prayer team head to the side. If you've been trained to pray here at the church, can you head to to both wings? And over the course of this next song, if, if one of those words relates to you, which again, I mean, if we're honest, that's all of us. So I should phrase it this way. If you're, if you're bold enough to receive some prayer today for the junk that you have in your life, just like the junk that I have in my life, why don't you head forward in just a moment to, to get some prayer? And for the rest of us, let's, let's sing this last worship song.